son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding and they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle are killed and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business. And the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious. And he sent out his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. And then he said to his servants, you know, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. And so those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. And so he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to his servants, Bind him hand and foot. Take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Now, in a sense, we could probably summarize this study today in a general way by looking at that very last verse right there. Many are called, but few are chosen. And a real simplistic way of looking at that is that everyone is invited, but only few make it in. And that's really what we see right here, you guys, when it comes to this wedding feast. You know, when you look at this and you really just, man, think this through, this is a very special event I mean, think about it. If you were there living in that kingdom, the king, okay, the king is inviting people to his son's wedding. You know, and I think this would be considered an honor. I don't know about you, but isn't it, you know, when you really think about it, an honor to be invited to the king's son's wedding? I mean, I think it would be an honor to be part of the list, to attend that wedding, and not just any wedding, the king's son's wedding. And not only is it an honor, but you know, when you think about it, in being invited to a wedding like this, it's going to be awesome. I mean, this is going to be lavish. This is going to be elegant. This is going to be beautiful. This is going to be history in the making. And there you are at the wedding feast of feasts. I mean, think about it. Going to the king's son's wedding. I mean, this is going to be awesome. The caviar, think about it, man. The cake, think about it. The prime rib, the fatted calf, the palace. There you are. We are privileged to be invited to such a wedding. I mean, think about the sushi, the setting. I mean, everything. I mean, you really got to capture this concept of the king inviting us to his son's wedding feast. But what ended up happening when the invitation went out, it says right there in verse 3, look what it says towards the end, and they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out other servants saying, hey, tell those who are invited, look, everything's ready. I've got, you know, dinner and an oxen, fatted calf killed. Everything's ready. Come to the wedding. But it says in verse 5, they made light of it, went their ways. They did their own thing. They went to their farm. They did their own business. Unfortunately, man, it just doesn't make any sense. They were not willing to come. They made light of it. They went their own way, farming to do, work to take care of. And you know, some, when you look at this in that sense, they simply neglected the invitation that the king had sent out. 
That's what we read there in verse 5. Others, in verse 6, rejected the invitation. And, you know, as we begin our study this morning, you know, we're going to look at this, and there's a lot packed into this study today, but really we're going to see those who said no to God and those who said yes, but it wasn't real. First of all, those who said no to God. We read that in verses 1 through 7. They neglected the invitation. Therefore, I, can, I think it kind of builds upon the other. They rejected the invitation. Now again, we need to make sure that we study this in its context. Primarily, it refers to the nation of Israel. This is now the third indictment against the Jews. The Lord has spoken three parables against them, one representing the Father, one the Son, this one the Holy Spirit. And here we see the nation of Israel, God had invited them to this wedding feast. But we see that they did not respond. They did not answer the call. Jesus had already spoken about the way the Jews of that day rejected him, especially the religious leaders. We see that in the parable of the two sons back in Matthew 21, verses 28 through 32. We see that Jesus had uh, spoken of the wicked vine dressers who had rejected the Father in verses chapter 21, verses 33 through 45. And now he sees the way, he shares the way the Jews reject the Lord Jesus Christ in this parable of the wedding feast. Later in Matthew 23, verse 37, speaking of Jerusalem, Jerusalem, he mentions them as the ones who killed the prophets, who stoned those who are sent her. And he said, how often I wanted to gather you under my wings like a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. And so we as Bible students, as Christians looking at this today, we need to understand, first of all, that this is speaking to the nation of Israel. And as a result of them rejecting Jesus Christ, we see it etched in history how they were judged in the year 70 AD. But I think for us as Christians, and even us today, it has application in many ways. You know, I don't know if you've ever been invited to a wedding. I, I hope you all have at least been invited to one wedding. And you know, I don't know if you've ever been invited to a wedding, but maybe you just couldn't make it due to responsibilities. A lot of times, as a matter of fact, on Friday, there was a, a lot of weddings because it was 888, you know, it's the lucky number or whatever, something special number. And so, you know, it was on a Friday. And so some people couldn't make that wedding because they had responsibilities, responsibilities at home, responsibilities at work. They had their life to live. They couldn't go to the wedding. And I don't know if you guys have ever been there. You know, bottom line is, I know that's life. We can't make it to everything, right? We can't. But this is one event you and I do not want to miss. We cannot miss this wedding here you know more important than farming or working more important than anything i beg you today to rsvp asap to the invitation of jesus christ as he invites you and i to the wedding feast i don't know a lot of us here are christians maybe there are some of you here who have never really truly totally responded to god's love You've never really totally responded to this call and this invitation. And God is just really communicating to us. This is what I want to share with you today. You came to church. Yeah, you thought it was cool. I don't know how you got here. I don't know what led you here. But God brought you here because he wants to invite you to this wedding feast. And so the question is, will you respond? 
I mean, I want to encourage you guys to really see what's going on here. I mean, this is not a funeral we're invited to, man. This is a feast. Imagine that if you could eat everything and anything and not gain weight. Imagine that. This is what we're talking about right here. I mean, this is the laughter. This is the dancing. This is the celebration, the joy that God wants to bring us to. I mean, understand you guys, this life in Christ, this journey that I'm talking about is joy. It's peace. It's everything that is so good for us. God is good. He is so good. But I think a lot of times what happens in life, I know even in my own life, is we neglect God. And it can even digress into us rejecting God. And that's what happened here. That's what we see in this parable. William Barclay put it this way. It's very easy for a man to be busy with the things of time that he forgets the things of eternity. It's very easy for a man to be preoccupied with the things that are seen, that he forgets the things that are not seen. It's very easy for a man to be involved in the world that he hears with this ear and neglect the world that he hears with this ear. The tragedy of life is that it's so often it's the second bests of life which shut out the bests. That is the things which are good in themselves that shut out the things that are supreme. A man can be so busy making a living that he fails oftentimes to make a life. And I know men like that. And their life is their job. And they have forgotten life with a capital L. That's what ended up happening here. These guys right here, they neglected the invitation. Notice again right there how foolish. It says in verse 5, they made light of it. They went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business. You know, as God is calling all of us here into a deep and deeper relationship with him, question for you, what are some of the things that get in the way? You know, when I think of the farm, I mean, we know in the context here, it speaks of, you know, their livelihood, um, but I think, you know, for me, just kind of, you know, giving it a little twist here, uh, home. Sometimes we can neglect God because of the responsibilities we have at home. Not just our house, not just painting the house and washing the windows and cutting the grass or whatever it might be. You know, I remember one time I had a big project and uh, uh, for me, uh, Shelly and I, we were, man, just, we need to do some work around the house. And so I remember laying down some tile and, you know, for your average tile man, it'd probably take um, a day. <laughs> for me, it took a year. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but I remember, man, just the whole ordeal of, of fixing up my house. Fixing up my house. Why? Don't like linoleum, I guess, you know. So you want some time. You want it to look good. And, and I'm not saying that you can't fix up your house. Don't get me wrong. But I've seen people put their house before God. I mean, they're just so involved in that house, they forget the temple of God. I mean, I, I know we can neglect the Lord with the relationships that we have at home. Sometimes we'll put our husband before the Lord, the wife before the Lord, girlfriend before the Lord, kids before the Lord. No one comes before the Lord. I mean, I encourage you, when you go home today and you talk about you know, your deep relationship with the Lord and your deeper relationship with the Lord. Ask Him, Lord, show me, is there anyone, anything that I'm putting before you at home or maybe even at work that you go out into your business? A lot of times people are there at work and they bring their home, work home with them or, 
or just, you know, whatever it is, it, it just captures their attention. They want to make more money. And, you know, I'm not saying this in an honorable way. I'm saying this in a, a dishonorable way. And God is saying, listen, what about the true riches? All I know is this, you guys. Living in America, there are many distractions. I thank God that we have this, this you know, conviction to come to church on Sundays. I thank God for that. I thank God even for some of the convictions that you have to come on Sunday nights, some of you on Thursday nights. You know, because if it wasn't for that, I wonder where would we be? Because we, a lot of times, have forgotten or somehow we just haven't figured out yet how to bring God into all of our life. Bring Him into your home. Let Him rule your home. Bring Him to work with you. Work for Him. Let Him be there with you at work. I mean, right here it says in verse 5, it says they made light of it and they went their ways. See, that's the problem. We cannot go our ways. We can't. We must go God's way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. We were talking a little bit about, you know, this on Thursday night. And I know the Lord has really been just impressing upon my heart to share with you and to live out in my own life how we must be so sensitive to the Holy Spirit. How we must have a devotional life. How you and I, you know, before you go out there in your day, first check in with God and ask your general for marching orders for that day. Ask your God who sees the whole day for wisdom to face this day. Ask Him for scriptures to carry you through. You can't go out into this world unarmed without that armor. And as we have a relationship with the Lord, you know, He he speaks to us. I just think a lot of times we're so busy that we're not listening. You know, I've said this to you guys and I just, you know, say it to myself again that if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. If he can't deceive you, he'll distract you. Let God be everything to you. Let him be the first in your life. No rival thrones. Unfortunately, what ended up happening here is that, you know, the invitation went out. It says in verse 5, but they made light of it. They went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business. And it says right there, and the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully and killed them. I mean, if you don't stop, if we don't stop, if we're not cautious not to neglect God, we might even digress to the point of rejecting God. And I've seen people like that. I pray that that would not be us. You know, for us who are Christians, I think it's so important to know that it is possible to be distracted in life, to go farming, to go working, to go surfing, to go whatever, your own way, in a different way, to miss the Father's feast. And many people will end up with a saved soul and a wasted life, missing out on all the Father wants to bless you with. As a matter of fact, if you go back, watch... Remember Matthew chapter 13, the parable of the soils, the seed, the sower? And it talked about a seed that was planted among thorns and it choked it. It didn't become unfruitful. 
And, and it says in verse 22, Now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word. Yeah, he went to church. But the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. The cares of this world, see? The deceitfulness of riches. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, the Bible says, No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. I think a lot of times, man, you and I are like pretzels. We're like, you know, one of the things that I hate in life is wires. I don't know about you guys. Cables. Don't you hate? Don't you wish everything was wireless? <laughs> I'm serious, man. Because every time I, you know, I, I wrap up my iPod buds or whatever, and then I try to unwrap them, I'm like, oh, man, I've got to untangle this knot again every time. I hate wires, man. I hate that kind of stuff. I hate that whole concept of being entangled. And yet I think a lot of people are. And that's why as we go through this study, one of the things, one of the assignments I want to ask you guys to do when you go home is to get with the Lord and ask Him seriously, honestly, sincerely, genuinely ask Him, God, are there any distractions in my life? Is there anything that I'm putting before you? Because if we neglect this, salvation we might drift away that's what the bible says in hebrews 2 verses 1 through 3 we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard lest we drift away for if the word spoken through angels proves steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward how shall we escape if we neglect there it is so great a salvation neglect is probably the the most common pitfall in the church neglect i mean you neglect your car it won't get you far you guys know that right you neglect your heart your yard the ground will get hard we know that right you neglect your body it's going to start to look shoddy we know that right (laughs) you neglect your wife life is a strife you know that right and that's what happens a lot of times in salvation you neglect god man you know, you neglect this invitation that he gives to you. Understand, man, that you're going to suffer. My heart goes out to you. You know, please don't ever be one of those who say no to God, can't make it to the wedding. You know, that's what we see they did, and they suffered for it. It says right there in verse 7 that when the king heard about it, he was furious, and he sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. We see that. Please, you guys, today... Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then all these things shall be added unto you. We see that in verses 1 through 7, those who said no to God, but then there were those who said yes to God. And so what ended up happening, right? It says in verse 8, So the father, he said to his servants, Hey, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited, they were not worthy. They didn't count themselves worthy to come. And therefore, he says, hey, go into the highways. In other words, this is what he says. Go into the streets, man. Go get, he says, the good and the bad later on, those who arrive. In other words, everybody, anybody, doesn't matter if they're living on the streets, it doesn't matter if they're working on the streets. God says, go invite everybody. There were those who said no, then there were those who said yes. And believe me, you and I, we want to be one of those who say yes to God. God is drawing you deeper to Him. He says, come daughter, come son to my love. And what do we say? Yes, absolutely. I mean, you get that invitation, you send it out right away. Yes, Lord, I will respond to you. 
I just think it's so awesome, you guys, for us just to stop and to contemplate how God has invited everyone. It even says again there in verse 10 that it's extended both to the good and the bad. Now, of course, this is speaking from a purely human perspective. But you look at all the masses of people that are there and you think, some of us think from a human perspective, well, some are pretty good and some are pretty bad. But of course, in God's eyes, no one is good. There's none good, not one according to Romans 3.10. But we look out and we see the murderer, the drug addict, those in sexual sin. We see the atheists, the alcoholic, and we think they're bad. But please understand, God loves them and God invites them to him. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in 2 Peter 3.9 that the Lord is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so we read this and we think, wow, Lord, thank you for inviting us all. But, you know, being present, you guys, in church today and being part of the crowd is not enough. We need to make sure that we're properly clothed because we see that again in verse 11. It says, When the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. Now, in those days, just in case you didn't have the finances, you know, to wear the proper wedding garment, the owner or the host would provide one for you. So there was really no excuse not to have the proper wedding garment on. But what ended up happening, it says right there, when the king came in, he saw the guests, and he saw that man who didn't have that wedding garment. So he said to him, hey, friend, what's up? (laughs) How'd you get in here without a wedding garment? And the guy didn't have anything to say. And so the king said to the servant, hey, bind him hand and foot, take him away, cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's so cool when you look at this, man. I mean, this would be, I mean, amazing. You know, like showing up at a wedding in your bathing suit. Or showing up at a wedding in your gardening clothes. And you've got dirt stains and holes everywhere. You know, we know it's just not proper. It's just not honorable. In this case, you know, no shoes, no shirt. No service. We need to see deeper than this. Before, you know, we can come into this wedding, we need to make sure that we have the proper wedding garments on. Now, before your mind strays and you're thinking, well, I'm not dressed properly today, understand the Lord is not speaking about these clothes. He's not. He's not saying, hey, you got to wear a tux or a tie or you got to have a $1,000 suit on if you want to go to the wedding or go to church. You know, He's not even saying you can't wear Levi's and a t-shirt when you come to service. I mean, we know here at this church huh, that there's no dress code. huh? <laughs> you know, I mean, there is a certain way. I know women need to dress modestly and, you know, um, I, I, I don't usually wear tank tops when I'm teaching and stuff like that, you know. But um, generally speaking, we know, we've kind of captured the concept that God is not speaking about these clothes. You see, when God's looking at us, He's not really looking at the name brands necessarily. He's looking for a different name. When God looks at you, can I ask you a question this morning? When God looks at you, does He really see the name of Christ tattooed on your heart? Does He really see that in your life? Have you truly, have we truly given our life to Him? Understand, God's not looking for, you know, polo. He's looking for purity. He's not looking for Hollister. He's looking for holiness, right? He's not. What is he looking for? 
when the king comes in. Here we are, we're thankful. I am so thankful that you guys came today. And, you know, not for me, but because I know the love that God has for you. You know, someone invites you to church and it's cool. You said yes, you came. But please understand that's not enough. You've got to go farther. When the king comes in right here and he scrutinizes our life, does he really see Jesus' name on your heart? Ephesians 4 verse 24 talks about the new man, that we need to put on the new man, created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. The Greek word there in Ephesians 4 24, it speaks of a man that's clothed with this righteousness. It means you're washed in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why the book of Revelation speaks of the white garments that the saints wear. It says in chapter 3 verse 4, you have a few names even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. There it is. They are worthy. Jesus said in Revelation 16, verse 15, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. You see, I want to encourage you guys today as we go through our study, you know, and just real... Briefly here, looking at the wedding feast, I I just want you guys to know that Jesus is coming, that one day we will stand before him and we need the garments of God. You're not good enough. I was talking with someone the other day and they were, you know, kind of telling me the way that they're going to get into heaven. They said, I'm I'm a pretty good person. I'm going to make it in. I said, no, you're not. (laughs) sorry to tell you the bad news, but you are not good enough. Heaven is a place of perfection. No sin allowed. And so I tried to share with her, and I shared with her right there and then, but the cool thing is God wants to provide you with a wedding garment. God wants to give you this clothing of covering your sins, this righteousness that God provides. And if you would receive Christ truly into your heart, if you would accept him, turn from your sin and receive Jesus Christ, the one who died on that cross for you, it's a free gift. If you'll just receive this gift, then you can go to heaven. See, and that's really what the Bible teaches. It just talks about how the fact that we are not worthy. Our righteousness, the Bible says this in Isaiah 64, verse 6, the best that we can do is like a filthy menstrual garment. You know, and that's just all of us. It's not just you, it's me too. But it's so cool because Jesus Christ loved us enough that he died on that cross to cover us with his own righteousness. We need the garments of God. And, you know, just reading this right here kind of reminded me of the beginning of the Bible. And, you know, when most of you probably know the story, when Adam and Eve fell into sin. You guys remember that? Adam and Eve, they fell into sin. There in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, they chose to do their own thing. They rebelled against God, just like all of us have. And the Bible says in Genesis 3, verse 7, that the eyes of both of them were opened. And so they knew they were naked. And the Bible says they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. You see, that's what we try to do when we try to make it our you know, in our own righteousness, when we try to cover our own sin, when we try to do things our own way. I mean, think about how foolish sewing fig leaves together and covering yourselves. I mean, you wouldn't even be able to sit down. I'm sorry. It's not going to last. It's not going to take you far. So what does the Bible say? The Bible says later on in the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verse 21, that the Lord God made tunics of skin. 
and he clothed them. And that's what God has done for us Christians. God has sacrificed his son, just like he sacrificed that animal, symbolizing Christ. And he has clothed us with his righteousness today. It's a perfect picture of Jesus Christ, how he shed his blood, and he covers us in his own righteousness. You know, I was tripping out. I was uh, doing a little investigation. I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but in America, we spend $82 billion a year on clothing. Did you guys know that? That's a lot of money. And I was thinking, Lord, but... (laughs) We need, you know, to look nice, you know. We want um, socks without holes, socks that don't stink, you know. (laughs) We want pants that aren't stained and, you know, just different things. And I know God understands. But it's so cool to know that, you know, this clothing right here, you guys, is totally free. It's totally free. And this is really what it's all about. I think the Lord teaches us today a couple of things, you know. One, for you guys, for us as Christians, for everybody here, please, I beg of you, don't be distracted from your priority in life. To have that personal relationship with God. I mean, I really challenge you to pray. To have a deep prayer life. That's really where it begins. Please, don't be distracted in life. But the second thing as we go through this right here, if you're not a Christian, you know, or maybe you're a prodigal, you know, you've kind of drifted away from the Lord. I just want to encourage you today. God is inviting you to come back. God is inviting us to come to him. And that's what we need to do today. I encourage you, R-S-V-P, A-S-A-P. Even today, even now, we're going to give you an opportunity to say yes to this invitation. Let's pray. Father, Thank you for your word. Thank you for your love, Lord, for us. Father, as we read this wedding feast, we're honored, Lord. We're so, like, wow, blown away that you invite us to this wedding feast. And we know there's so much in that, Lord. I pray, Lord, that every person here would know the joy of this feast, the love of this feast, the celebration of this feast of our great King. And that we would just rejoice in that, Lord. But Father, I pray, Lord, just in case there are some here today who don't uh, know you, who really have never made that, that response, Lord. Or maybe they've drifted away a long time ago. And then, Lord, you brought them here today just to extend the invitation. I pray, Lord, today you would just uh, touch hearts. And Lord, if there are any... This is their day, Lord. I pray you give them the grace to respond and to say yes to you, Father. And just as every eye is closed and you guys are here, every head is bowed, I just want to extend that invitation again, man. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, um, or maybe you've backslidden from the Lord, you've drifted away, you're a prodigal, you want to say yes to this invitation. You want to... Come to the wedding feast. It's not my invitation. It's God's invitation. And right where you're at, I just want you to raise your hand and we're going to pray for you. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for the hands that have gone up, man. Thank you, Lord, for those hands. Anyone else, man? 
It's the most important part of the service. It's the most important decision in all of life. Anyone else? You just raise your hand. Father, I thank you for those that have raised their hands, Lord. And I thank you so much for the humility, the honesty, Lord God. And I pray, Lord, that you would see that hand, Lord, and that it would be truly an expression of faith in you, Jesus, and that you bless them, you touch their lives. If you raise your hand, just right where you're at, you just pray with me this prayer from your heart. Pray it to God. Pray it to Him because of His love for you. Just pray this prayer. Dear Lord, I come to you today And I admit, I have sinned. I turn from my sins and I receive Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God.